Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Riding the heat wave today. Riverside? Our city's temperatures will peak at a sizzling 91.6 degrees, with lows of a still toasty 70.8 degrees. Be sure to keep hydrated while you stay informed with today's headlines. In legal news, sparks fly in Atlanta as former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani surrenders to authorities, facing down charges for election interference in Georgia. On the national stage, the Biden administration turns up the heat as they push for urgent action to safeguard communities from deadly heat waves. Bringing Wall Street to your street, tech enthusiasts will be thrilled as NVIDIA's stellar quarterly results drive their market shares and cap to record highs. Turning our eyes on the scientific realm, researchers have hit the motherlode, unearthing the largest octopus garden yet, providing intriguing insights into deep sea behavior. Stay tuned for these stories and more right here on Alex's News. Joining us now to give us more details on our top story for the day is Elias. Our attention today is turned towards Atlanta, where Rudy Giuliani, the former New York City mayor and close ally of former President Donald Trump, has surrendered to authorities. Rudy Giuliani, Elias, is a familiar name to many. What exactly is he facing? Yes, Connie, Giuliani is set to face a host of serious charges— he is one of 18 defendants who have been indicted on charges such as violating the Georgia RICO Act. Now, to help our audience understand, the Georgia RICO Act, similar to its federal counterpart, mainly targets organized crime. Specifically in this case, the indictment alleges Giuliani engaged in racketeering activities tied to the attempt to overturn Georgia's election results. His actions reportedly included making false statements about the 2020 election and defaming individuals involved in the electoral process. His bond has been set at $150,000. The charges themselves are quite grave. How did Giuliani react to this? Giuliani's response is quite interesting, Connie. He maintains his innocence and called the case a complete hoax and a lie. He went on record saying the indictment is a discredit to American democracy contending that he was simply advocating for his client. John Esposito, a former assistant district attorney in Manhattan, will be representing Giuliani's defense, and Giuliani has expressed confidence that he will be vindicated. I see. Now these charges seem to be focused on his actions during the post-election period last year. Can you talk a bit about what Giuliani has been doing during that time? Absolutely, Connie. After last year's election, Giuliani had been quite vocal in support of Trump, making several allegations of election fraud. The charges against him now focus on these precisely, and his general attempts to contest the election results through press conferences, televised appearances, and courtrooms. Additionally, it's worth mentioning that Giuliani currently faces disbarment proceedings in both Washington, D.C. and New York for those same false election claims. What could these charges mean for former President Trump? The charges against Giuliani are just one part of the wider net of ongoing investigations looking into Trump's attempts to overturn the election results. Trump is currently involved in four ongoing investigations with a staggering total of 91 criminal counts. 
including charges related to bookkeeping fraud, hoarding sensitive government records, and an alleged conspiracy and obstruction to overturn the election results. How is this case in Georgia different from the other investigations? The Georgia case stands unique, as it charges Trump with state law offenses under Georgia's RICO Act, unlike the federal case. Essentially, different jurisdictions bring with them different sets of charges and potential penalties. This news has certainly made headlines. Who else besides us is covering this story? This case has garnered widespread attention, Connie. Reputable sources such as NPR People and NBC News have all reported on Giuliani's surrender, underlining the gravity and potential far-reaching implications of this case. A lot is clearly at stake here. Elias, thank you for your time and for offering such an insightful analysis. The pleasure is mine, Connie. We'll be sure to keep updating our viewers as the case progresses. We're moving on to our second story for today, which concerns the increasing threat of extreme heat facing many communities across the United States. The Biden administration has taken note of this, with President Biden himself issuing some strong directives. My colleague Grace has been following the story closely. Grace, can you summarize the current situation for us? Absolutely, Connie. The Biden administration is calling on state and local officials across the U.S. to accelerate preparedness for extreme heat, which, as we've seen in recent news, is currently the top weather-related cause of death in the country. As part of this preparedness push, the Department of Homeland Security, or the DHS, has released new guidelines to help communities design response plans specifically for extreme temperatures. There's a lot to unpack there, Grace. How are these guidelines expected to combat the problem of extreme heat? Great question, Connie. The DHS guidelines recommend various strategies, such as creating notification systems for residents, assigning a lead officer to direct extreme temperature response efforts, and identifying vulnerable neighborhoods that require targeted outreach. They also encourage risk mitigation through hazard-resistant building codes and addressing urban heat islands. The objective here is not just to respond to extreme heat events, but also to prepare communities to better withstand them. It seems like there's also a push towards securing funds for these initiatives. Absolutely, Connie. The Biden administration is making monetary resources available for these resilience projects. It has even doubled the funding available through the Federal Emergency Management's Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Initiative, which aims to strengthen the ability of local communities to mitigate the impact of extreme temperatures and build resilience against future heat waves. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell are hosting a virtual extreme heat summit, is that right? Yes, Connie, that's correct. By showcasing projects that have successfully countered the impact of heat waves, they aim to inspire other officials to take similar measures. Essentially, they want to form a partnership between the federal government, local communities, and states to better prepare for extreme heat events. Now, how serious is this extreme heat issue currently? Very serious, Connie. Approximately one-third of Americans, around 130 million people, are currently living under a heat alert in 22 states. This issue is particularly severe in urban areas, which bear a heavier toll due to the so-called urban heat island effect. Also, farm workers, who lack federal heat protections, face particularly lethal consequences due to these conditions. The DHS guidelines are just that guidelines. They're not legally enforceable. What impact do you think they might have? 
That's indeed correct, Connie. But the hope is that these non-binding recommendations will drive action and transform behavior. Communities that proactively prepare for hotter summers can access grants and funding to support their resilience-building efforts. Ultimately, the goal is to ensure that both communities and critical infrastructure, such as the electrical grid and transportation systems, are able to endure and respond to these extreme heat events. Well, that certainly gives us a lot to think about in the coming months. Thanks for the detailed breakdown of the Biden administration's efforts, Grace. My pleasure, Connie. It will certainly be interesting to see how these initiatives unfold and what impact they'll have on communities across America. Moving on to our third item of the day, we turn our attention to the impressive display by NVIDIA, a market-leading AI company. They have reported better-than-expected quarterly revenue, and their shares have risen by 8.5% during pre-market trading. To put more light on this, we've got Ethan, who is our specialist correspondent on this particular area. Ethan, what's going on with NVIDIA? Thanks, Connie. NVIDIA's fantastic performance has indeed made waves in the global tech market. The company's market capitalization is expected to increase by a whopping $99 billion, surpassing its previous record high. This successful run has caused a ripple effect, boosting not only the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 and S&P 500 but also the futures tracking them. We've seen over 20 brokerages raising their target price on NVIDIA, with some market watchers even predicting a three-fold increase in the stock's value. That's quite a rally for NVIDIA. Any particular reason this is happening now? A major contributor to this rally, Connie, has been the AI-driven growth in NVIDIA and other big tech stocks. This has played a key role in the overall gains of the S&P 500 this year and further emphasizes the impact of NVIDIA's results on the global tech industry. NVIDIA's CEO, Jensen Huang, expressed strong confidence in the future of the AI industry. He expects the AI boom to continue into next year and plans to increase the production of hardware to meet this rising demand. What factors are driving this rising demand for AI? An interesting shift has been seen in data centers. They're moving from traditional setups to ones being developed around NVIDIA's powerful chips. This change is reflective of an increase in the demand for AI, also advanced by significant investments in AI-related hardware and products from other big tech companies such as Microsoft, Meta Platforms, and Amazon's AWS. How does NVIDIA's financial performance fit into all of this? NVIDIA's sales have more than doubled, topping over $13.5 billion for the three months ending in June, which is a record high for the company. There's also been a massive increase in NVIDIA's stock market value, exceeding $1 trillion and positioning them as the fifth publicly traded U.S. company to join the exclusive Trillion Dollar Club. Their fiscal quarter report also surpassed expectations with earnings per share of $2.70, where analysts had predicted $2.09. And did I hear something about a buyback plan? Yes, that's right, Connie. NVIDIA's board of directors have given a green light for a $25 billion buyback plan, underscoring the company's belief in its future growth. Within the quarter, the company had already returned $3.38 billion to shareholders in the form of shares repurchases and cash dividends. I see. How has NVIDIA's performance influenced the broader tech market? Connie, NVIDIA's performance has had quite a global reach. We've seen uplifts in tech shares worldwide and other AI-related chip stocks like Advanced Micro Devices, Micron Technology, Broadcom, and Marvell Technology are also experiencing gains. 
European markets have similarly responded to NVIDIA's success with chipmakers such as ST Microelectronics and Infineon Technologies reporting gains. So what could this mean for the future of the AI industry as a whole? NVIDIA's financial results, increased market cap, and its influence on the global tech market certainly underscore the potential of the AI industry. While some analysts express caution around the continued demand for NVIDIA's products and the future of AI applications, NVIDIA's strong performance speaks to a positive outlook for the AI industry. Well, lots to think about there. Thank you, Ethan, for that insightful report. Sources Reuters, The Star, BBC, CNBC, Shack News, Financial Times. As we continue with our fourth and final story of the day, we're diving deep into marine research. A significant discovery has been made off the California coast by researchers who have found a gathering of over 6,000 octopuses around an extinct volcano beneath the ocean's surface. This place, known as an octopus garden, is very fascinating. Our reporter Chloe fills us on the details. Chloe? You're absolutely right, Connie. This octopus garden is quite the discovery. Now, this cluster of octopuses, most of whom are brooding females guarding their nests, is the largest found on Earth. These octopuses have made their homes around the Davidson Seamount, an underwater hot spring. This spot is especially conducive to their breeding, as the heat allows the eggs to hatch faster and increase their chances of survival. So it's sort of like a nursery then, Chloe? Precisely, Connie. The warm water flowing from the seafloor near the volcano makes this a great spot for raising their young. Researchers used remote cameras and advanced underwater tech to monitor the behavior of these octopuses. Studies revealed that the temperature at these sites reached up to a surprising 52 degrees Fahrenheit, significantly warmer than surrounding environments. And how does this affect the growth of the octopus babies, Chloe? Well, Connie, the high temperature significantly shortens the time it takes for octopus eggs to hatch. Instead of a usual 5 to 10 years in ambient waters, the eggs hatch in less than 2 years on average. Quite the time saver, isn't it? Fast and efficient indeed. But I understand this discovery challenges some of our previous assumptions about octopuses? Yes, indeed, Connie. The conventional belief is that octopuses lead quite solitary lives. However, the number of octopuses congregating in these gardens challenges that idea. Further, this suggests the potential importance of these deep-sea habitats, highlighting the need for protection for conservation and planet understanding. Has the approach to the study of these gardens and the octopus's behavior been unique, Chloe? Absolutely, Connie. The researchers used the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute's robotic work and installed a time-lapse camera to monitor water temperatures. The warm water of this particular garden is believed to speed up the egg hatching process, suggesting the importance of preserving such unique deep-sea habitats. It seems like there's more to this discovery. This octopus garden was discovered in 2018, wasn't it? You're right, Connie. The octopus garden was discovered during dives conducted by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute and the Ocean Exploration Trust. To study this unique habitat, they utilized advanced underwater tech, remotely operated vehicles, and high-definition cameras. Thanks to these technologies, they estimate about 20,000 octopuses in the octopus garden, with more than 80% being nesting females. Interesting, and how does this discovery affect the local ecosystem? The discovery doesn't just provide insight into octopus behaviors, but the implications for the ecosystem are significant. The octopuses provide a source of vital nutrients to the local ecosystem, making it a refuge for other marine life. 
This makes it ever more important to understand and conserve these breeding grounds. A fascinating subject, Chloe. Thank you for bringing us this fresh, deep-sea insight. My pleasure, Connie. It's truly a remarkable discovery. Indeed, quite an enlightening piece. Thanks again, Chloe. This story is based on sources from NPR, The New York Times, CNN, Asana Vibe, and Scientific American. We encourage all our listeners to delve deeper into this fascinating research. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, Eleven Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.